0: Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, Just Ryan and Alex here today after a long holiday hiatus. (laughs) Um, But we're back and we've got a lot to talk about. So let's just get into it. Alex, the University of Oklahoma's football team, did play the University of Alabama's football team in the Orange Bowl. How'd that go?
1: Yeah, so this is, I mean, we're talking almost a full month ago at this point, and um, just to start out, like, do you remember how you felt that day, like, that whole day leading up to the game? Like, do you remember your mindset going in?
0: Um, I was just, like, whatever, like, I I thought, first I'll say I thought I was ready for the worst. I wasn't. (laughs) I definitely, definitely wasn't. But I thought I was. So I thought go- going into the game, I was like, whatever happens, happens. I'll I'm fine with it. And the first quarter happened and I discovered I wasn't fine with it.
1: Yeah. So I was I I never have felt the way I felt before that game and that there was just a sense of I just was not I didn't want the game to start, you know, like usually I'm very anxious and ready to see any game like i remember i was super nervous before the west virginia game this year Mm -hmm. but you know usually i'm ready to get the thing going and get it over with at least but this one i just i don't know if i just had a sense of like i just didn't think we had a great chance of winning the game um but i just was like dear god i just don't want to get embarrassed and you know like you said the way it started it was just like worst case scenario
2: Um, yeah
1: I will say my attitude during the game wasn't really one of, I didn't really panic about it. Like as soon as we really got our first touchdown, I was like, Oh, I think we're going to like actually make a football game out of this. You know, like I,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I didn't think we would win. Obviously you're not coming back from 28 points to any elite football team, you know, especially at Alabama team like this one. Um, but I was just, I I felt confident that, we were going to see the team play really well for the rest of the game. And that was really what happened, you know? And I think part of it was, you know, heading in, my biggest concern was just the offense getting exposed because, you know, you go through the whole year and, you know, every week we're just like, oh, this is the best offense of all time, or this is the best offense in the country by far, you know? And then you always get into it and you're just like, what if, it really was that we haven't played very many great defenses this year. Cause like, I mean the best defense we really played all year was either like TCU or Texas, you know, or maybe Iowa state. So yeah, there was, there was some nerves going into it, but it was mostly just, I hope our, I knew our defense was screwed. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was like, there was no way we had a shot to stop, Um, but I was more concerned but I think the team after that horrible first quarter, I think they acquitted themselves nicely.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, the defense continued to look stupid and silly just all game. Um, I, uh, but once the offense started scoring, it was like, Oh, okay, this is fine. You know, we're going to lose, but this is fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which was what I was expecting. So,
1: right. Yeah. No, I think my, my, uh my score prediction that you know I had been texting that day I think it was like 52 to 31 or something or 34 I think it was 52 to 34 was what I had like officially said that day uh, you know I just didn't feel great and that was basically where it was but it was 45 to 34 so you know and they easily could have scored one and- more time to make it spot on you know
0: yeah no they chose not to score again essentially right um which was Great for the people who picked OU to cover, and bad for the people who picked the over.
1: Hey, great, great teams cover. That's all I have to. Great say. Great
0: teams cover. Oh, OU covered. I don't know. I don't know what you're asking. I don't know what more um, you can ask of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, real quick before we, I mean, we move on because, like, guys, this game happened a month ago. You you watched it, and you've seen plenty analysis of it.
0: Yeah. What and did you think? Really, there really the isn't most- much analysis to be done.
1: Right. No, Alabama was better, you know, so what was what would you say was the most frustrating thing during the game?
0: Um, I mean, certainly just um, the first quarter, just the sense that, like, oh, we don't belong in the field with this team. <laughs> like, it was an embarrassment that we that any team that we were selected to play in this game, like. It the like what an insult to Alabama it felt like. Um but only in the first quarter, because then it was fine. Right. Um so that was really frustrating. After that, um I was always I kept popping back into the um the coaches room channel and yeah. just <laughs> seeing Herm Edwards, who is a crazy person, just like point out the exact wrong things that our corners were doing the entire game was great. Parnell Motley was, um, he had
1: himself a game.
0: He he had himself a game where he, I mean, we gave up this touchdown and basically Parnell Motley did the exact opposite of what he should have done. And it was like, (laughs) I think the way, uh, herm put it is like you know he's trying to play bump and run but he's really playing bump and will receive like just just, there was nothing about his technique was even approaching like defense like it just wasn't the sort of thing a player attempting to defend a pass should do so that was really frustrating
1: i 100 Mm percent agree um that that to me was the most frustrating part. It I mean I think really largely what happened in the first quarter against OU was it took OU's offensive line a quarter to get adjusted. They haven't seen anything close to what Quinnen Williams was. And yeah. my God, that guy's incredible. Mm-hmm. Quentin Williams was better than I thought he would be. And I was expecting the best defensive lineman in the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he was better than I even thought he would be. So mm-hmm. I mean he was incredible you, I, I've never seen Ben Powers Done the way and Williams did him You know yeah. and, and Creed yeah. Humphrey You know it was just yeah. It was kind of eye opening that first quarter And I think he alone kind of Blew up our offense In the entire first quarter It just took us a yeah. while to get used to like Okay Kyler there's going to be pressure Coming from the middle of the defense Anytime he's out there You know I think it took them a while and the fact that, well, we're going to have to run away from him if he's out there, you know? Like, yeah. we had to adjust our offensive game plan around him, and I haven't seen that happen all year to this offense.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know?
1: And um, it's just,
0: you know, I don't think that we were ready for Bama to be, like, as mad about stuff as they clearly were. Like, right. it's pretty clear. Like, and Williams came out in this game with, um, like, with the mission to prove that, like, Ro line shouldn't have won the Joe Moore award and Kyler shouldn't have won the Heisman.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, luckily Kyler was unbelievable in the game. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't quite as accurate as we've seen him at times this year, but he made, you know, once we started scoring, we just didn't stop. And he was making the plays that needed to be made like that 50 yard touchdown pass to Charleston Rambo. That's one of the best passes I think I've ever seen like Uh in football. You know, it was just unbelievable to see a guy sprinting forward and just able to throw a perfect dime to a, to a receiver in the end zone. Like that was yeah, incredible. Yeah. But the ball flew yeah.
0: like fifty seven yards in the air.
1: Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, you know, I uh, defensively, it was just. Every problem that we had had this year just was, you know, fully showcased, mm-hmm. you know, and this was a defense that had a month to prepare. For that offense, yes, yeah. and they—they they literally could have run any play at any time, and it would have worked. You know, like the only time we stopped them and you know cut it to eleven when we did was because they had some dumb penalties that they just they just screwed up. You know, yeah. what I mean that was the yeah. only time we stopped them all night. Um, so you know it was it was basically a hopeless thing. Like I legitimately believe that if our defense had been capable of stopping them two more times in the second half, we might win that game, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds, but our defense literally was incapable. There was a 0% chance that they were going to stop Alabama when it came into that second half. Yeah. Especially in the fourth quarter. So, um, and that really, it really sucked and it was just a helpless feeling. Like it was just, we basically needed to just get onside kicks at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it was it was it was frustrating that, you know, all year we knew the defense wasn't any good. You know, you could head into a big game like that and you're just thinking, God, if they could just get two stops, you know, two yeah. more yeah. stops. Like, and it would have I think they stopped him twice in the entire game. Um, mm. And if we could have just gotten four, like we might win the dang game. You know, that's not a lot to ask of a division one defense, but that was apparently too much to ask of, of that defense, you know? And like, yeah, like you said, the defensive back play was, was awful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you knew what play they were going to run. It got, if it got the third down, like, oh, they're just going to run a slant and it's going to be wide open because we're just incapable of adjusting yeah. know, to anything that the offense does. So, um, fortunately. That might not be a problem anymore um, yeah we uh we hired ourselves a defensive coordinator
0: yeah oh man let's let's go through the entirety of the rebuild of this defensive staff yeah,
1: let's do it like so I mean, yeah go ahead
0: was the I'm trying to remember what the first thing to happen was was it Tim Kish retiring or
1: uh, I think I think the first thing to happen, if I'm not mistaken, was Alex Grinch getting hired. Um,
0: right. I right.
1: could be off on that, but I'm pretty sure Alex Grinch was the first domino to fall. And Alex Grinch is definitely a guy that we had talked about before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of, you know, I, he was a guy that I wanted last year. I thought after the Rose Bowl. I legitimately thought we were going to go out and get Alex Grinch because I was just, there's no way they're going to keep Mike after that performance. Um, And I, Alex Grinch was the guy that I know, like Nathan Hill, our friend was super in on and he had convinced me and I was super in on it too. Like, I thought that was the guy. And, you know, unfortunately we, we made Lincoln made the mistake of trusting Mike Stoops um, for one more year. Um, yeah, which just yeah. don't do that Lincoln. But um, I mean, the good thing is, I mean, we got him though, you know, and yeah. I think a really positive is this last year. Um, Alex Grinch was at Ohio State and I know what happened on Ohio State's defense. I am fully aware of this. Um, they were not very good, but Alex Grinch had very little to do with that. Like he was basically he was a secondary coach. Like I think he had the co DC title but he wasn't running his defense. They weren't doing anything that was really his. Um, So it's really like, I don't put any stock into that, but I think it's a positive because he was around a big time football program with big time athletes. He got to see the kind of athletes that we're going to need at Oklahoma um, Mm -hmm. to really get to that, to the highest level on defense.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, with grinch um you know they had really his sort of introductory press conference recently um, that's actually one of the most recent things as far as OU you news is and just like the things he said are like the exact sort of things that we wanted to hear just like just like an understanding of like accountability and like saying like hey They need like our defense needs to know that it can be good and that it should be good and it's not acceptable if it isn't, which is just like the exact opposite, basically, of the way Mike Leach has talked. Or not Mike Leach, Mike Stoops has talked about playing defense in the Big 12.
1: Yeah, no, any like the past five since Mike Stoops has been back at Oklahoma, I don't know what happened to that man while he was at Arizona, but he just changed because Mike Stoops was that no-nonsense, we're going to be the best defense in the country in his first stint at Oklahoma, but something changed while he was at Arizona, and when he got back, it was just like, I mean, I don't, he was just, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know why. He, it was almost like he didn't know why people expected him to be able to put a good defense on the field. You know, like it just he was like, what am I supposed to do? I remember him talking about Oklahoma State before last year's game. And I was just like, we have no shot at stopping them uh, because he was just like, yeah, well, they've got this receiver. And then if you stop him, they got this guy and this guy. And if you do all that, they got Justice Hill. And it was just like he was listing all of these things. And I was just like, this guy doesn't think our defense can stop them. You know, like our defensive coordinator did not think that he could put together a plan that our defense could execute to be able to slow Oklahoma State down last year. You know, and that was pretty much a par for the course thing for him over the years. And it I think it completely warped the mentality of the Oklahoma defense. You know, I think it told and that is that was the number one thing. And I think it's fairly obvious that that was what Lincoln Riley thought the problem was. And I think that could also explain why he kept Mike Stoops. Maybe he, he liked the scheme that Mike Stoops ran. He just thought that maybe he could have a bigger impact on the mentality of the defense or something. Uh And that was the the biggest issue. But um, I think with this hire, he was just all in, like we have to change the culture of that side of the ball. And that was that's 90 percent of what Alex Grinch was talking about yesterday. He said at no point will there will the players not be putting out 100 percent effort. You know, yeah, Um, I like one of the linebacker, the linebacker coach we hired, he said play 97 has to look exactly like play eight um, in terms of an effort standpoint, you know, and like you think about last year, you know, we had that stupid army game backed up by the Baylor game where the defense was on the field a ton. And people were trying to make, you know, Mike Stoops was trying to make excuses for his defense for because of how many plays they were playing. That doesn't matter. You know, get yourself off the field if that's the case and play with 100 percent effort, even when you're on the field for 97 plays.
0: Yeah. And this is, um, you know, you go back and read things people have written about Grinch. You read things that like Ohio State fans wrote about Grinch when he came into their program. And like, I mean, he's just really an effort guy. Like, his defenses are just, like, like they're um, built around this idea of just, you know, do your job, and then once you've done your job, flow to the ball. Like, which is, like, <laughs> that's all effort. That's entirely effort. And that is something we have not really seen from this team.
1: <laughs> no. Well, and I think especially with this team, in the way he talks about, like, he talks about turnovers basically equally wins he did. I mean, this is one thing I'm really excited about is that the guy does seem pretty analytically motivated. Um, he did it. He himself did a study of, you know, turnovers, you know, equating to wins. And he did that over a long period of time. And he came up with a number of 24. If you force 24 turnovers, you're going to win nine games pretty much regardless of any other stat that is out there for your team. And, I'm thinking, dude, if we get 24 turnovers next year, we're winning all of our games. Like, yeah. that's all we need, you know? So it, that's really exciting to me. Plus, the defense, the, a huge problem we've had defensively over the past few years is just things always seem to snowball. You know, if like something went wrong, it wasn't going to get fixed. And in all likelihood, it was going to get worse as the game progressed. Yeah. And now it seems like, with grinch there's always going to be like no matter what happens before the goal is always to get the ball you know they're going to have a concrete thing that they can hang their hat on of mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what happened in the previous play if we get the ball this play it's all it you know it's it doesn't matter you know what i mean there's just a like a single goal for the entire defense for the entire game you know yeah. and i think that's pretty cool
0: yeah that's yeah um I am really excited that Kerry cooks doesn't work at the university of Oklahoma anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, first like Grinch is a, is a secondary coach while he was at Washington state. He coached the entire secondary and at Ohio state, he coached the safeties. He's, he's going to coach the safeties at OU. They brought in one of the guys that was with him at Washington state, Roy Manning to coach corners. Mm Mm-hmm that guy is i don't have you seen any of the videos that he does after wins and stuff during Uh, the season
0: of roy manning i have yeah
1: you haven't seen any of them no um like the guy is just full of energy like that's the only way to describe him Mm -hmm. like just you know screaming you know put posting these videos on twitter it makes, you know, Lincoln really seems to think he's going to be elite, an elite recruiter. But even beyond that, I think Roy Manning is the kind of guy that's going to come in and he knows how to change the mentality of a defense. You know, yeah. I yeah. think if nothing else, I'm, I'm optimistic about his recruiting, like his, you know, the skins he has on the wall in ter- from in terms of being a recruiter aren't all that impressive. But you also have to consider the schools he was at. So, you know, he's never been able to pitch a school like Oklahoma Mm -hmm. on the recruiting trail. And I assume a young, energetic guy has NFL experience is going to be able to sell that. Um, But I think if nothing else, like he knows Alex Grinch as well as anybody. And he's just a mentality guy. He's going to like those corners are going to be playing their butts off every play, you know, like at the very least.
0: Yeah. You know, which is (sighs) there are so Many things about our defense this year, where it's just like if even one of these things was different, like this unit is probably passable. Like you can look at technique, you can look at scheme, you can look at effort. Even if one of those things changes for the better, then like this unit is like you can understand that this is a football team. (laughs) Like right. Um. So yeah, I think that's really exciting. Um, And. Just like so going back to the Orange Bowl and going back to the Herm Edwards clip like it it was like almost a revelation I had essentially it was this was um, Herm was focusing on Parnell's technique defending an RPO um, on the goal line we give up a touchdown on an RPO slant it's the most obvious thing ever. Uh, like you said it's we everybody in the world knew that that play was going to be run and we just failed to defend it in any way and like the reason we failed to defend it in any way is because like i mean the safety is not sitting in that zone the safety is like up in run support Um, so that zone's open and then like parnell motley before the play even starts basically just gives up the inside entirely like he you can tell that Parnell Motley does not want to get a fade thrown on him he is just like anything is fine as long as I don't get personally embarrassed on a fade uh, which is a terrible thing for a corner to do especially when you know everybody knows that he's going to be running a slant route and there's not a safety in that zone just gives up the play entirely and like that was the moment I realized oh Kerry cooks doesn't know how to coach like Kerry cooks has not explained these concepts to his players in a way that they understand how to utilize them because right. there's just, it was exactly the wrong thing to do. And it was so clearly the wrong thing to do that if Parnell Motley had been coached, like I like if Parnell Motley understood where the safeties were on that play, I can't believe he would have done like he would have done what he did, did what he did on that play. So to be yeah, like no. the only the only answer is that like no like <laughs> Parnell had Parnell had not been properly informed of the play call and the concept of the play call like they just I can't believe that Parnell Motley could have understood what the defense's goal was in that scenario and done and performed that poorly. So to be right. like I like Kerry Cooks just had to have not done a good job there
1: yeah well and I think that you know it's not just the corners you know the safeties were out of position constantly the first big play of the game was completely on Robert Barnes you know um and that you know Kerry Cooks was in charge of all of those guys you know yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a change like we're gonna have two different defensive back coaches now and you know I'm not I mean I assume that's a good thing you would think that you know, in the in especially in a past happy league like the Big Twelve, you would want more than one defensive back coach.
2: Um, yeah.
1: You know, we haven't really done that, but um, I don't know. the The way I look at Kerry Cooks and his time at OU was he only had really one acceptable year as a coach coaching defense, and that was his first year, mm-hmm. and that is never a good sign. You know, yeah, the coach is here for a year. And they get worse every year that he's here, or when he's here for multiple years, and they get worse every year, then there's no other way to look at it as other than that guy is doing a bad job. You yeah, know?
0: and it's not just and like this is the thing we have said about these defensive backs for his entire tenure, is that it's not just that his units were performing worse every year. Individuals within those units were noticeably regressing. Um and like it's to the point where Yeah. I am so happy Gary Cooks is gone. Um because I'm
1: I'm really excited that he's still gonna be in the conference. That's really cool to me. Yes. Like so we get to we get to see it from the other side now, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh you want to talk let's talk about Tim Kish retiring. Yes. Um and you know, we have been super hard on Tim Kish in his in his time at OU. I don't think I mean, I think his the worst job he did was on the recruiting trail. I don't think he did a particularly great job of coaching either. But um, mm-hmm. I think he did it. He was definitely better than Kerry Cooks in that regard. Um, I want I do want to say that in regards to you know people always looked at Kerry Cooks and they said, well, he's not a great coach, but at least he can recruit. And I just there's not really any evidence that that is accurate. Because the big time guys that he really brought in until basically this year, um, they were guys that pretty much any coach at Oklahoma could get. Because it was either in-state guys or guys that their dad went to Oklahoma, or they just had a very obvious connection to OU that pretty much anybody could have taken advantage of. And that, that's really, Kerry Cooks was getting a lot of credit for really what I don't feel like was a very hard job. I some of the guys he got, um, Tim Kish on the other hand, I think, you know, if you're a Tim Kish, well, you know, if you love Tim Kish and you're trying to, you know, make excuses for him, which I, you know, there, there are some that do the guy did have some pretty bad luck. I I think that is absolutely fair to say you look at a guy like Tay Evans, whose career ended, you know, that Mm -hmm. guy was pretty much in line to be a three-year starter, um, He had another guy that had to quit because of a mental illness before he even got to OU that it was a highly touted recruit. And then, obviously, the Jacob Phillips situation. Tim Kish pretty much did everything he could.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It just didn't work out. You know, like Tim Kish, I thought, did a great job recruiting Jacob Phillips. Um, it just, you know, there was some some things that happened that probably were against uh, NCAA rules, but, you know, things just didn't work out for him in, in that recruitment either. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think like he was probably one of the all time worst at having backup plans to his
0: <laughs> plan.
1: Yes. A like there just, there wasn't backup plans, you know, yeah. it was, I either get this guy or I'm screwed. And most of the time he just kind of left us screwed. And there was also situations like the Deshaun white deal where he made it so much harder on himself than he needed to, just because he was so late in the process of, you know, just deciding that he wanted to offer the guy, you know? So Mm -hmm. I'm not sad to see Tim Kish leave. Um, If you listen to Brian Odom talk, like I kind of get a crazy guy sense from Brian Odom. Um, Like he's kind of, (laughs) you know, he's kind of kept, you know, he keeps it together in, in interviews. Like he's not coaching yet, but I think that guy's going to be kind of crazy on the field. If I'm if I'm being honest, like I just see that guy's got a, Got a mean streak in him, I'm betting. And I think if there's a place on your defense that you want to coach that's a little off, it's probably the inside linebacker coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, no, I I'm excited good. by that by that possibility because Tim Kish just an old cheery nice guy, you know, like yeah, yeah I don't think he really brought an edge or an attitude to that. No, I I know he didn't bring an edge <laughs> or an attitude to that group. I've watched his players play. yeah like
0: yeah no absolutely it's just the sort of thing where like i mean tim kish's linebackers this year made a lot of tackles but like how many of them were would you call stops and how many of those were like you know i have to make the solo tackle so that this isn't a touchdown like
1: right well and like it's not even it wasn't a this year thing either like think about has his his linebacker ever hit anybody. Like I go back to Dominique Alexander who was the master of being in the right position and then getting dragged for five yards. Yeah. You no. know, like the guy had tons of tackles and was a very assignment sound, like he always knew where he was supposed to be. And then he would just get drug. You know, like there was just nothing he could do about it. And Emmanuel freaking Beal, like are you serious? <laughs> you <laughs> know, I mean, like that guy
0: should have been playing safety the entire time he was at OU. And yeah. I just yeah, there's there's not very much good to say about Tim Kish. Um, Jordan Evans, how about Jordan Evans?
1: Yeah, Make Jordan
0: him. Evans. He's got like, an NFL was, career.
1: Yeah, that guy was probably not probably that guy was his best player, and at times during Jordan Evans' senior year, he looked like he shouldn't he be on the, the football field. Yeah. You know, like he was one of the worst players on the field that night that Pat Mahomes destroyed OU. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. as a senior, you know, so, um, yeah, I, there's not a lot of, of positive things to say about Tim Kish's coaching. Um, I think, I think Brian Odom is going to, at the very least, get those guys playing faster and more, I don't like necessarily the word violent, but I think that is a word that might be uh, necessary yeah. to well, use to describe the way they'll yeah. play.
0: It's just, we have... I mean, I'm assuming at least, you know you're looking at certainly Kenneth Murray and Caleb Kelly and that unit next year, and those are guys with like incredible athletic prowess. Like those are guys who should not be getting dragged around, um, and who yeah. have like <laughs> I just remember during the uh, during the Big 12 Championship, like I think it was Caleb Kelly meets a running back in a hole. And stops him cold, and it was just like, I just wanted to like, if I was wearing a hat, I would have taken it off, like, because it was, and that should just be like, that should happen once a drive at least.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that that was Curtis Bolton, um, right? Yeah, yeah. He he just had perfect technique for a play. Curtis Bolton was probably one of the worst tacklers on the team. If you're were, if we're being completely honest, like, that's another guy that was extremely instinctual and would just fly into the backfield and then just miss Miss, or just, he would hit him and the guy would just keep going. It was like, he wasn't there, you know? Mm -hmm. And Curtis Bolton was fairly um, physically challenged. Like he was kind of small and not that athletic and just, you know, he was very, he, Curtis Bolton was who he was because of his instincts on the field. Yeah. But Um, like somebody
0: who has the knack to get into the backfield the way he could, like, that's a good starting point. And, like, right. as a redshirt senior, you would have expected uh, staff to be able to turn that into, like, an ability to create negative plays.
1: Yeah, an ab- or, yeah or an ability just to more consistently form tackle. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, just make a form tackle, please. You know, Kenneth Murray, like, my God, how, like, Kenneth Murray's got it. The more I watched him as the season progressed, I don't think that guy has gotten any better since like his the ohio state game last year you know like that ohio state game still might be his best game of his damn career and that was the second game you know yeah um the guy is just he's always just a little bit out of position like he's just a step slow to react to a play and he just isn't able to make it because he's not completely there and he's also like you can tell he's just thinking too much as he's playing. And I think Kenneth Murray might be the guy that is most suited, you know, to have a kind of a breakout under Alex Grinch and his defense, because you would think that, you know, basically everyone's going to have a gap responsibility. And I would think that Kenneth Murray, if you tell him, this is your spot right here, this gap, that you have one responsibility. I would think Kenneth Murray is capable of doing that. Yeah. And then, after that, he has more than enough athleticism to chase a ball carrier, you know?
0: Yeah, he is, like, God. A, Kenneth Murray is huge. B, he is frighteningly quick. It doesn't make sense that he is late to things. Like, at that point, it's because, you know, he, he it's coaching. He doesn't understand how to get where he needs to go. Uh, because he's certainly athletically capable of it. Um, <laughs> Kenneth Murray... Just thinking about his season, it reminds me of like early season Terrence Ferguson for the Oklahoma City Thunder this year.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Where it's just like I mean, I can keep saying that he's that like he's got room to grow, but he's not getting younger and he's not getting better. So maybe yeah. my hope is that Brian Odom can turn him into current Terrence Ferguson.
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I hope so. Yeah, no, he has Every physical tool that you can want. The guy, he looks as physically impressive as Alabama's linebackers. He does. Like, he is absolutely freakish looking. And, like, they've just got to get him. Like, they've got to get him to stop thinking and just run. See the play. See the ball carrier. Go get him. You know? Yeah. And do it, like, go all out. Like, don't get there and kind of, like, grab him and, like, oh, I'm going to pull you down now. Like, go hit him like hard, you know, and I just, we haven't seen very much of that from Kenneth Murray and it is, it's about damn time we do. Um, I think yeah. a, a position change might be good for him. Maybe switching him to the will and having Deshaun White take over the mic who from what, even from the little that I've seen, like I think he has already better instincts than Kenneth Murray. Like whenever Kenneth Murray got hurt in the big 12 championship game and missed a few plays, Mm -hmm. I liked what I saw from Deshaun white Deshaun white looked like he was more capable of making a play than Kenneth Murray was, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe that's something that could help um, moving Kenneth Murray to kind of a more outside position to where his athleticism can even be play a bigger role, you know? So we'll see if that, if that's something that they want to pursue defensively and you know, it's, it's going to be really exciting. The spring spring is going to be huge, man. Like, I was very excited about the spring last year. You know, oh, we got to see Kyler Murray this year. It's going to be one of the most anticipated springs like I can remember.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just really sad that Spencer Rattler won't be there for it. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Um, I want to make I want to make one more um, Thunder reference uh, before before maybe we move on to a uh, to the quarterback position um so like whenever they introduced alex Grant, she was up there on a he was on the on a kind of a podium slash stage thing with lincoln riley mm-hmm. and it completely reminded me of when sam Presky was on stage with billy donovan when they hired billy donovan yeah. because you could tell that they were 100% on the same page in terms of how football should be played like i remember watching sam prestey and after hearing billy donovan you're like he was just like in love with him you could tell that he loved the ideas that billy donovan had like oh they were just like they were completely on the same page and that's how i felt lincoln reacted yesterday you know like he hears he would hear a a thing that alex grinch would say and he would just kind of smile and be like yeah i absolutely you know and so i'm i think that This is a a very good marriage just from how they feel the on-field product should work. You know, I think they're completely on the same page.
0: Now, I'm curious, do you think that this metaphor goes the other way? And it turns out that Billy thinks it's Sam Presti's job to come up with an offense?
1: (laughs) Do do we want to go there?
0: No, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, but this isn't a Thunder podcast. It's an OU this football is not, podcast. This so we not, won't, this is not. Won't dig too deep into that. Um, but so, yeah. Um, I'm happy that we seem to have gotten our guy.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think it's really cool.
1: Um, yeah, and just real quick, a last thing we can talk about defensively is I think that this scheme is going to fit our defensive line so 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 much better than what we've been doing um we've been doing the like crappy like two gap thing where our defensive line's job is to hold up linemen so our linebackers can go make the play and then the linebackers were incapable of making said play um and also our defensive linemen they just really probably weren't big enough to completely successfully yeah. execute that scheme but i look at a guy like neville gallimore and you know kenneth mann was awful this year he didn't do anything um yeah. and i look at both of those guys and ronnie perkins too like yeah. i think these are guys that fit this this defensive scheme really really well yeah um it's, and i think <laughs> i this think is the thing oc- we've been
0: saying for like three years
1: yeah no we've been wanting to go to a four-man front because we were like, our guys don't fit a two-gap defense at all. You know, we've been saying this for a long time. And, like, we're still base- – it's still going to look like a three-man front. Um, but there is a lot of four-man front principles that are executed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think, like, Kenneth Mann, to me, is going to be the guy on defense that I watch a lot in the spring. Because I think there's a potential of moving him to, like, an inside tackle position and letting him just go like get after the quarterback as much as you can, because in 2017 um, they would line him up at kind of like a nose guard and have him rush the passer in passing situations. And he was actually pretty good at it. And I think if that's, that's something that you get him doing more often, you know, and that's just kind of what he does. I think in this conference that can be really effective and he could have like a really breakout senior season.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah i have my own suspicions about um the what one- this is something we've talked about outside the podcast i feel like um one gap defensive fronts are probably more naturally suited to um defending rpo type stuff um which is going to be huge in the big 12 um i think in general um <laughs> like it's funny because i feel like two gap systems um were really um, they gave you a lot of tools for defending like read option type stuff, but now that that's really become like that's not the bread and butter offensive concepts in really any of college football anymore. It's just about the um, read with the op with the pass as the second option, and for that it's like simplify. Give everybody one job so that if everybody does their job, there isn't an opportunity. Um, right which is because like right now, I think that like, especially given the quality of our linebacker play, asking them to simultaneously like fill in the, um, you know, clean up the holes um, on the rushing option and like fill voids for the, like to take away quick slants. Like that's too much to ask of a disorganized linebacking core. So, yeah, there's. I I really feel like going to this one gap system is going to help us. And again, this is the thing that not only have we been talking about this, but like Mike was talking about this two years ago. I just don't understand why it never happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. It. I Mike, my Mike. I'm so glad he's gone. Like I, I wanted to hold on to hope as long as I could while he was here, but my God. Yeah. I, I just don't think the guy understood what he was facing, you know? Yeah. I don't think he just had a, he just did not fundamentally understand how to stop big 12 offenses.
0: Yeah. And I know? think he knew he didn't that. Get it. No, suspicion. he absolutely did. And that's, that's why like he came back from Arizona and like, that was the difference is that he was like, Oh, I don't know how to do this anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and like, you know, let's talk maybe you know let's talk about expectations for the defense yeah, this year. That's a good idea. My hope is that like I'm just really really tired of hearing like local media people talk about well the players they just they've got to get some players in there you know my hope is that like we're there's like a huge turnaround and we're like top 30 or 40 or something in year one so I can just be like nah it, the players are here you know because like if you took because Mike. Mike had a really good relationship with a lot of media people. So they have kind of shifted blame to, to the players that we have. And like, I I think that we don't have the greatest personnel, but I think it's definitely good enough. And I just really want all of these idiot people to be wrong. So, you know, I think on the high end, I'm really, you know, top 40 or even top 35 or something could be really, could possibly be obtainable. You know, that's like the high end of the, outcome possibility this year um but i think a if we're top 60 this year i'm gonna feel decent about it you know if if we're top 60 and we're not the worst red zone defense in the history of football i'm gonna feel pretty good about the direction that we're headed
0: yeah i agree And like i don't think i don't think we're gonna have a top 25 defense next year that's like people need to establish like get themselves prepared for like this is going to be a process there is a timetable here but i do feel like enough pieces are already there that we will see improvement next year and we will be like competent at least right right
1: no i think uh. i that's what i expect like i expect competence at the very least i expect to not be hopeless in every third and one and fourth and one situation like that's one of the things about Washington state had one of the smallest defenses in the country when Grinch was there, but they were also like top 10 in tackles for loss every year that he was there, you know? Yeah. Like it was that kind of scheme that was, they were able to get in the backfield and make plays. And that's just been based probably what we've been the worst at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, And, and I just, <laughs> I'm really happy for the players now. Like, I am, this is going to, like, who this might save Parnell Motley's career, you know? Like, who, like, who knows who was just, who just needed, like, better coaching to really make a breakout?
1: Okay, so, are there any guys, like, should we expect, like, some kind of pushback from the players at all? Like, you know, because this is going to be a completely different, like, mentality, and they're going to instill probably an effort level and an expectation that, that just hasn't been there for a while. Um, could there be any like negative pushback in that regard?
0: Um, I mean, it's certainly possible, but, um, to me, a couple of things help with that. The first being that like, obviously the players know that they're bad, (laughs) that they did a bad job. So they're going to want to improve. Right. So I think they're going to be open to suggestions of improvement. Um, The other big thing for me is that Ruffin is still on this staff and like we like we retained Ruffin who's going to coach outside linebackers and we retained Calvin Thibodeau. So like those guys still those like that continuity, I think will help. Right. Mm -hmm. Assuming that they get along with the new guys, which I would assume they would because Ruffin is an incredible person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So like, to me, I think that that is gonna, that is going to help with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we can't be sure, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm not saying that that is something that I would, you know, it, it'd be worth. Like, if there are guys that aren't on the same page and they're not going to be okay with it, then like those guys don't need to be here anyway. So it's not the end of the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, I just I just wonder because it is going to be a complete and total change. If there's any kind of negative reaction towards what what they're being taught, I tend to think that things are going to be fine. Um, I think Grinch and especially Grinch and Manning are probably likable enough guys that, yeah, and like another thing, like, you know, Grinch talked about like that guy believes in what he's doing. And usually players, you know, if they see a guy that is completely confident in what he's teaching you, like they're willing to follow that, you know, usually that's not a problem. Um. I think that that might have been something that, had, you know, came into play with Mike is that I'm not sure Mike was completely invested in what he was doing in terms of thinking it was going to work. And the players kind of followed that, you know, so, yeah, um, you know, I, I think in, you know, the most likely scenarios that everybody buys in just fine. Um, but, I, you know, I think it, it's something to kind of look for, you know, if we see any guys maybe leave the program after the spring or something like it might be something to look for
0: yeah absolutely
1: all right is that that's probably all we have on the defense um it's going to be awesome to see you know going into the spring like just how everything lines up and you know definitely gonna have to get myself to that spring game no doubt about yeah. it um let's talk about the you know I don't, probably the second biggest thing that's happened to ou this offseason uh yeah i want to um, start
0: by uh
1: Giving the Oklahoma Drill Podcast um, some credit here, because if you'll remember back to the summertime after Kyler Murray got drafted in Major League Baseball, um, you know we were t- you know thinking, well, we're gonna have him for a year at least, and I remember we made the point on this podcast that OU. You know, even if we lose him in a year, OU is going to have, like, the pick of the litter in terms of grad transfer quarterbacks. And uh, that is 100% how it turned out. Kyler Murray, not only, number, you know, first-round pick in baseball, had an amazing year and then declared for the NFL draft. And OU basically got the best grad transfer quarterback available. Yeah. Jalen Hurts.
0: So yeah. No, I think that's, I mean, we absolutely called it. Um, and it's going to be, this is great because this really does set us up for transfer watch two K 20. And, um, because I mean, at this point, like if Jalen hurts does well, like if Jalen, if Jalen hurts becomes a Heisman contender, like what quarterback wouldn't want to transfer here. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I think at that point it just becomes, you know, link, I think Lincoln, fully i think lincoln loves spencer rattler a lot like i know yes. we're fans of him i think lincoln riley likes him significantly more than we do um <laughs> and i honestly if i'm i think lincoln wanted jalen hurts because i don't think he wanted any quarterback that was going to be here for more than a. if i'm being honest like that includes austin kendall i think lincoln is fine. I think Lincoln thinks Austin Kittle's a good quarterback and can do some really nice things, but yeah. I think Lincoln looked at it and was like, if he wins the job, then I'm going to have to play him for two years in all likelihood, you know, because you're not going to have a guy go out and play really well and then bench him the next year. You know, um, I think Lincoln wanted that kind of cleared out. So Spencer could step in, in 2020, you know, am I, am I crazy to think that that is, that's the situation we kind of ran into here.
0: Um, I mean, I'd buy it, honestly. Like, the Jalen, like, bringing in Jalen when, I mean, I don't know, and I don't think we can know if we made a real run at Justin Fields or anything. Um, but bringing in Jalen is like, it is perfect for our timeline. Like, it really is like the perfect move for the program timeline. And for that, I like, yeah, I would, I would totally buy it.
1: Yeah. And from everything that I've heard and seen reported, I think, OU would have had a really good shot at Justin Fields. I think Lincoln decided not to pursue it. And I think Spencer Rattler is the sole reason for that. You know, I think he's looked at the situation. Maybe he didn't see a huge gap between a guy like Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts and was just like, I've got this guy that I love fits my system perfectly coming that he's not going to be here for the spring. So he's going to have to wait a year, but he's going to be ready to do everything I need him to do in 2020. And I think that played a huge role in why he wanted a grad transfer like Jalen hurts, man. And, yeah. you know, just looking at Jalen hurts the, what he's going to bring to the table, like at the very least, you're looking at a guy who's been in huge, the biggest games you can possibly be in. You know, the guys the guy won a national championship. He played in three different national championship games. He won the sec twice. Like he's been a big time player for his entire career. And it's just so happens that he got there. uh, Another player was better on his team. You know, like there was just a better Mm -hmm. quarterback on his team and that's, it's not really his fault. That's just how it kind of happened. And, You know, I know last time Jalen Hurts was a starting quarterback, he wound up getting pulled at halftime. Um, But think about how long ago that was. You know, by the time he plays at OU, that's going to be like over a year and a half ago that that happened. That's a year and a half of development that he's gone through. You can't tell, like, Alabama has top-notch quarterback developers there. Dan Enos, Mike Loxley, they're really, really good at what they do. Look at what they did with Tua. He's been getting the same coaching as Tua has, and every time we saw Jalen Hurts play in 2018, he looked substantially better as a passer than he did before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not like I don't think there's any reason for us to hide the fact that we have perhaps been kind of Jalen haters in the past.
1: Oh yeah, no, there's no no like I I give us credit for. We're talking about how, you know, we're going to get the grad transfer, but I'm also pretty sure that we were like, hell no, we don't want Jalen Hurts in, like, the same podcast. So we don't, (laughs) we don't deserve that much credit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. At Old Takes Exposed is coming for us, and we're fine with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I will say this about Jalen Hurts. Um, I, like, I still have questions about the deep ball. I still have questions. uh, But at the same time, you know, he... Was able to make some deep throws um, this year. Like I, I was watching highlights of him this year before we started recording, and it's like, yeah, no, he hit some players down the field. Like mm-hmm. I think he can do that, and I think that Lincoln can work with him to make him even better. Um, right. He also adds a dimension as a runner that um, OU hasn't had at quarterback really right um i mean obviously he's not as fast as kyler because i don't that is a short list of humans um but he i mean he's certainly more physical than kyler and he's yeah definitely like he is more athletic than baker mayfield
1: sorry baker um i think i think you can feel more comfortable with jalen hurts running than you can kyler because the dude's 6'3 230 you know like you yep. might see even more designed runs for Jalen Hurts than you did for Kyler, because yep. that guy, like, fully capable of taking hits. Unlike yeah. you, didn't want Kyler taking a lot of hits. Like you yeah. just didn't want it.
0: Yeah. But you, Jalen you Hurts, like, you, yeah, you did everything you could to stop Kyler from taking Hurts, Jalen or taking hits. Jalen Hurts is a guy who gives hits.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what Lincoln, how he's going to approach it, but I feel like, you know giving Lincoln that extra element, like it's like Lincoln's going to figure out how to design an offense to be elite with a guy like Jalen Hurts playing quarterback for it, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, you know, as soon as this, you know, became a situation, like, first of all, my first reaction was sweet. I don't want to watch Austin Kendall play. I was always an Mm -hmm. Austin Kendall hater and I will continue to be an Austin Kendall hater. It's fine. Lincoln Riley clearly didn't think he could get the job done. So Um yeah, that was my first reaction. But the more you think about it, you go on and you watch film of Jalen Hurts, especially in twenty eighteen, and you see a guy that developed as a passer and you look at the weapons that he's gonna have surrounding him on this offense, like it's probably not quite as good as what he had Alabama because nobody is. But (laughs) it's it's right there, you know, and we're moving in that direction, you know.
0: And like schematically like i mean alabama has made light just have leap forward light years in terms of offensive schematics um really starting with when jalen hurts got there um uh and now is like a properly modern offense and it's terrifying uh yeah. but there's like they're still not lincoln riley you know no like every person in football says that lincoln riley is the best offensive mind in the sport at any level so that's yeah it's gonna be good for Jalen.
1: yeah absolutely and like he's here for the spring like it's 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 it could not be a better situation man like he's gonna get to play for a full year I mean, and honestly, if you're if you're having to make picks as to whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to be in New York next year, like I think it's a better chance that he is than in, than he isn't, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's really likely. Um, just, I mean, I think two is probably going to be there again. Um, I think yeah. two is Trevor Lawrence, big, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence will probably be there, um, and. I don't know. Name a name. Someone else because I I've got nothing.
1: Justin
0: Justin Fields. Fields. Justin (laughs) Fields.
1: Justin. Tate Tate, Martell. Tathan Martell. Yeah. Tathan. Asmadude. (laughs) Yeah. No, like I I mean, if I'm picking, like I'm not picking Jalen Hurts to win the Heisman. That would be just bananas. That that, that would yeah. Um, but but I'm picking Jalen Hurts to make it to New York next year. Like I just am. Like. Until I see it, basically until I see a quarterback not make it to New York, I'm picking the Oklahoma quarterback to go to New York. Yeah. You know, so like 2020 Spencer Rattler, I'm picking that guy to be in New York. It's happening. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. Like, plus, I mean, the guy, like, if you look at the guys, a, a top notch leader, you know, that is something that arguably this year's team didn't have the best, of you know they didn't have amazing leadership this year, you know that's a, something that Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be able to help out with. So you know I just in every every way you look at it, it can't be looked at as anything but positive. You know unless you're yeah. Austin Kendall, but unless you're... I don't care, I don't care about him. So yeah,
0: he's he's going to be fine. He's going to go to West Virginia or Duke or whatever, and he's going to have a good time. Uh um, oh, yeah,
1: no, he's going to West Virginia. That's official.
0: That's official. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he's gonna have fun. Yep. Um, Austin, I want to see what Austin Kendall does to Kerry Cook's secretary.
1: Ooh, there we go. Yeah, man, I'm I'm very excited about that game. You know, he's gonna be coming to Norman next year. He's gonna <laughs> get to. He's finally like. I guess technically, he started a game in Norman this year.
0: Yeah, technically, Baylor game. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah but he's gonna get to play a lot in in uh in memorial stadium finally so good for him yeah, yeah. um yeah so that's great who cares like screw Austin kendall i don't give. i hope he does well that's fine um what else what else were we were going to talk about on this this podcast there were many many things to to talk let's about let's
0: see um we uh we there's been some recruiting developments since the last, since um, the early signing day episode. Do we want to talk about those? Do we want to talk about Jaden Hazelwood?
1: Yeah, I guess we should talk about Jaden Hazelwood,
0: um, even though like we kind of knew,
1: right? Yeah, we definitely knew. Um, yeah, Oklahoma. They wound up signing Jaden Hazelwood on the actual signing day, but he just didn't make it like an announcement until. Uh, january 5th at the all-american bowl which that was kind of a interesting game to watch spencer rattler was fun in it um so yeah that you know three five-star wide receivers and really the top two receivers in the country like theo weiss like watching him and he was at the under armor all-american game and had two pretty ridiculous touchdowns even though only one of them counted like If they had had review, they would have seen that he would have had two touchdowns. So like both of these guys are just, they're guys you throw it up to and they go and get it for you, man. And if you watch Spencer Rattler at all, Spencer Rattler is as comfortable at throwing the ball up as I've ever seen from a quarterback. He's incredible at it. Yeah. He's just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to do it. You know? And the idea that we could have like three or four of those guys for him on the field at any given time, like it's pretty incredible. Um, Yeah.
0: Like if I were to describe Spencer Rattler's like characteristic throw, it's like on the move, putting the ball up where only his receiver can get it, like in a 50, 50 situation. Like, yep. That is, that is what he, like you watch his high school highlights and it's just him running at the line of scrimmage um releasing the ball at the last possible moment like 40 yards downfield where his receiver catches it over the defensive back like he is that is the thing he can do and it's really exciting um and it's yeah given our given our receiver recruiting it's like 2020 is gonna be really cool
1: yeah oh it absolutely is man um so as far as the overall recruiting class and we talked about it not a ton has changed since the last signing day podcast but um like we said Jaden hazelwood is official the most recent commitment david a um props to me for being able to say it um you know but it is if you looked at this name like it it's very weirdly spelled but it's fine um Guy's a four-star athlete. He's going to be that like outside linebacker kind of jack position on defense. I'm a huge fan of this guy. He reminds me a lot of Geno Grissom. I think Nathan and I talked about him in our last podcast as a guy that would uh, wound up, wind up closing out the class. And we got him officially a couple of days ago. So that was pretty big time. And it was also kind of like he committed to Alex Grinch, which I thought was pretty cool because he had never met Alex Grinch before. Like the dude was going to go to Oklahoma. Oh, you did a great job of recruiting him. Like shouts to Tim Kish and Calvin Thibodeau, especially. But, you know, in the end, it was like, he needed to meet Alex Grinch and, you know, make sure that he didn't hate him. And at the very least of Alex Grinch's recruiting, I can say that you know he seems to at least be likable because yeah. you know this kid didn't see any red flags to prevent him from committing to Oklahoma so that's pretty cool there is a, a set of eyes out right now that is not they haven't been announced yet um i think the class is probably going to be filled out by a couple offensive linemen and and that's probably all there is for 2019 um we're at the number 3 recruiting class in the country which would be the highest recruiting class that I think I can remember, you know, since I've been paying attention to football. So obviously that's big time. That's pretty big time, man, because like, we've had a lot of success these last four years with really only two top 10 classes. And that was our 17 and 18 class. Um, But, you know, we're getting to the point where this is going to be three top 10 classes in a row. And 2020 doesn't look like we're slowing down. Like, we're going to have a team that is full of top 10 classes. And that is when you know you're the elite of the elite programs in the country.
0: Yeah. It's, like, it's going to be what gets us to the next step of where, like, we're not just in the show at the end. Like, we're really actually competitive.
1: Right. Well, and, like, we've been leaning on these generational quarterbacks the last, you know, really four years, you know, with Baker and Kyler and like, imagine if we have that guy, like say a Spencer Rattler type, if he is that kind of quarterback, but also have equal talent surrounding him to say a Clemson or an Alabama, like what, what are you supposed to do with this then? You know? So like, that's very exciting to think about to me. Um, so Pretty cool stuff going on on the recruiting trail. Anything else that we were going to cover?
0: Um, that about covers it, unless you have something to say about the national championship game.
1: Yeah, so I, my take on that game, I let me say, I think if Clemson and Alabama played 10 times, Alabama is winning more than they lose of those games. That's my take.
0: Yeah, I like... I think that that's likely, but I think that it's probably like 6-4. I
1: Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. But, like, that was not as one-sided a game as it looked, man. Like, Alabama moved the ball down the field pretty much the entire game. They were horrible on third down, and they were horrible in the red zone. And Clemson was, they were bad on first and second down, but they were just amazing on third down and in the red yeah. zone. And yeah. that was really it. And, like, I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence a little bit because I think the guys like the dude's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft and he's really, really good. But his performance from that game is getting overrated in my opinion, because that dude was throwing some passes that had no business being caught, but his receivers just were somehow there were like six catches in that game that you're just like, there's no way that guy just did that, you know?
0: Yeah, it was. He had a a surprisingly clean pocket, and yeah. B, like just miracle receivers. Yeah, um, and clean pocket's important because Trevor Lawrence gets hit a lot, and like he's right. got the he's got a solid frame, but like he is still a freshman in college. Like he is not filled out <laughs> enough to be taking some of the hits he took last year. Right.
1: Um, yeah, and like the dude is gonna be a problem. Like he is a pretty amazing passer but like yeah i mean i didn't think that he would i first of all i didn't think his pocket would be clean and i didn't think he would be able to make plays under duress and we just didn't get to see that because i think i think oklahoma kind of wore alabama down the previous oh yeah yeah and i think that there's something to be said for the fact that when OU faced that defensive line they were kind of in shock because they haven't seen anything like that Clemson literally sees that every day in practice. They yeah. had the best defensive line in the country. They were going up against Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence all season. Like, they were ready for what was across the line from them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and really quickly, this is, like, going back literally, like, an hour in the podcast. But I will say that by the end of the OU-Bama game, the our offensive line had really demonstrated that they did belong and was very clearly like it was very clearly upsetting the Alabama defensive line in a way that I had not really seen before.
1: Absolutely. Those guys, they were exhausted and they were also just kind of uncharacteristically, just not maintaining composure like they normally do, you know? So yeah, you could tell they were frustrated by the end of that game because Oh, you had kind of figured him out. Like they knew what they needed to do to move the ball down the field, every possession. And that like Clemson didn't have that experience against Notre Dame, you know? Yeah, So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of came into the idea. Like guys, Alabama is going to be probably better next year than they were this year. And to pick them to not win the national championship is probably misguided because like, they just brought in their best recruiting class ever, which is sickening to say.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> all of all of those receivers that were lighting everybody up this year, they're back next year. Two is back next year. Um, really, the only thing you can say is like they lost three. They were, they lost their top three running backs, which so they're going to be kind yeah. of uncharacteristically thin in the backfield. Yeah. Because um, did you see that Najee Harris is, is transferring?
0: I didn't see that, but that's interesting yeah. because, I don't know, that's weird.
1: Yeah. It seems so odd that he
0: would be transferring right when he would be, like... The guy. The yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, very strange, but obviously, like... I mean, he was kind of underutilized while he was there, so yeah. I don't necessarily blame him that much. Um, but anyways, um, I think that's probably going to do it... Um, We'll probably be back sooner than we were this time. We probably won't take a month off like we We'd did. Ha-
0: yeah, one would assume. Um uh, but we'll you know, we'll need to figure out something to talk about. Maybe we we I don't know, maybe we'll do another basketball episode. Um Yeah. But I think that about wraps it up. So uh, thanks for listening to the Oklahoma drill. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Alex P. and at RW Maxi. And we will see you guys, uh, I guess, when we see you, which is going to be sooner than the previous gap.